In this episode, we're going to answer a question I've been asked when I train people and even been asked recently about people like me that come out and tell stories, talk about this kind of stuff. There's guys that have written books. There's guys that have training programs. Some guys are regular military. Some guys from the special operations community. Some guys work in the intel community. Some guys worked way up in the intel community as essentially spies and committed espionage. And the question always is, how cool is this that you're teaching us? You know, how cool is the training? Is this like the real thing? Are you doing things you shouldn't be doing? Is this classified? Where's the line? Where do people do too much? How do we determine that? So I'm going to break that down for you since that question's been asked to understand exactly where and when somebody might cross the line based on my opinion and based on a universally accepted opinion on certain areas in order to make sure we don't do anything wrong or compromise anybody in service or any type of security per se. So when is it too much? That's what we're going to talk about right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight. So this subject's been on my list for a while. I wanted to do the episodes I did already where I talked about classified information, talking about training and finding good instructors and what that looks like. Some of the episodes like that I've done, I wanted to do before I did this. Figuring I'd be asked again, which I was, and it was kind of a reminder, maybe I should discuss this now. See, I've been training people most of my life, and I started training people again after I left the military, probably, oh, I don't know, maybe three years, maybe three years after I left, I had my own personal stuff to deal with. You know, guys like me to get a lot of injuries and stuff, one of the things we do, hopefully everybody does, is you got to get into the VA, get the help, get the medical attention, go through physical therapy. You know, you got to do all that stuff. A lot of guys go out, go back to work right away. Some guys get contract work. There's other things that people have to do. And eventually they get into training people. Now, a lot of these guys that are contractors, that's what they're doing. They're being paid to train people, whereas some of them are being paid for security. And I'm, I'm talking mainly about the tactical side, what we'd call shooters, wherever they're coming from. And some people think that's crossing the line, which I understand the arguments. I would say there's certain things that you have to pay attention to. So, for example, one universally accepted truth. Remember, truth and fact, two different things. So I'll call it a truth. I think most of us would agree that you don't discuss classified information. And I say to people, I do that out of respect for classified information now there's things that are involved on non-disclosures or things that you definitely know are classified or too sensitive. But no matter what the reason is, even if there's another document to back it up, even the fact that you're not supposed to do it, all that aside, talking about classified information, that's a bad idea. You're just making things more available to people that might be hearing you. Now, if you take my podcast, which I would consider rather small compared to many, most actually, and one of the guys I was watching mentioned I think it was Sean Ryan from Vigilance Elite was talking about, he does the Sean Ryan show. He was talking about, it was an older video, but about how when he got on Apple, he's listed under society and culture. And like right after his first one, he was, he was like in the thirties, like 38 or 48, which is pretty big deal. Cause when he started doing them, numbers are probably true now. There was like almost a million podcasts available in the country or available on that platform. And I thought that was, just a really interesting point. People will probably listen to him. Now, while I've reported to you that according to my analytics, I'm in like 90 some countries. I realize some of those are VPNs. 
I know a lot of them are service members. There's always a possibility of people out there listening to this getting information that's helping them. But I'm not crossing that line because I don't talk about classified information, especially stuff that I have more appreciation for. Now, there's been incidents, things you can read about with people who've written books, especially in the soft community, but not just them, that have written books that have questionable information, information that turned out to be false. Information that was false, but it was false because they were doing the right thing, trying to protect people. And it sometimes might be that the story happened and maybe it wasn't them. I think that's all part of writing. I don't speak to every specific incident, but I know there's people out there that have done that stuff that try to tell their story and what they do. And there's a process for that. Whether it's military or in the intelligence community, you're supposed to submit that through either the intelligence community or like the DOD. Like there was one guy for sure who didn't do it, who got kind of outed, not just for not doing it, but for some of the stuff he said. So there's a process for that where it gets reviewed. And the biggest thing is to make sure you're not revealing sensitive information. They look for classified information, but there's also sensitive information. Like most of the people I worked with, who they are and their names are not classified. There are places where that's true. But it would be stupid of me to write a book, tell stories, and start dropping people's names, even if it was just some innocuous guy. Because the second I drop a guy's name, I'm making them a target, possibly a recruiting target. And I don't want to put them in danger. So classified information, definitely yes. Now, when I've trained people here in person, and I didn't train them on this type of stuff, I was training them on weapons safety, land navigation, basic preppings, you know, emergency trauma stuff, things that I've learned and I've used guys, a couple of special forces guys work with me, you know, paramedics, people who weren't even in the military community, you know, worked on flat ranges, worked on maneuver ranges for them, not the equivalent necessarily of what they do in the military. There's been a lot of times where people enjoyed what I taught them, learned a lot, but they would have questions like, are you, are you crossing the line? Are you talking about things you shouldn't? And then those that have watched YouTube know that for years I've been doing shows with Luke from Canada, Luke the Cop from Informed State of Mind and Rush Creek Survival. He's even asked me even early on, like, you know, the stuff you talk about sounds sketchy. Like it sounds like you might be talking about things you shouldn't. And one of the things I always reinforce to him and I've said to people is for me personally, I don't talk about anything that can't be found on the internet. I don't talk about everything that can be found on the internet, but I don't talk about things I know can't be found for sure. Now, just because it can be found doesn't necessarily, and this is my personal view, make it okay for me to talk about it. I make sure I know what it is. Because like I've said, there's plenty of classified information out there that shouldn't be out there. Whether it was leaked, whether it was something is still classified, but probably doesn't need to be anymore. Maybe somebody discovered something, doesn't know that they put something out there classified. There's plenty of information. I've even talked about when I first started YouTube, I did a show with a bunch of guys on another channel and they were asking about Chinese naval programs and ships. And during the show, I was like, I need to go look something up because I want to make sure I don't say something that I don't. And I explained then or at a later point that I'd gone through this three-day training program. It was just this cool informational thing that had to do with the intel side of things. It was trained by a case officer and how we couldn't take notes. And we went through all these scenarios and situations. And part of it, one of the things we did, discussed had to do with some Chinese Navy stuff. And I was like, well, it's been a few years, but I need to go check this out. So some guy lost his shit and went and made a video why we're doing a live show. And I came back on and talked about it and it got me a bunch of followers. It was kind of funny, but the point was 
is at the time I was asked this question was about, I don't know, maybe six years after I'd gone through this program, well after I'd left the military. So my current knowledge of it, while it was six years old, the most important thing was I knew it was classified. Like I knew it was seriously classified. It's a big deal. So I went and looked it up to see what I could find and only talked about what I could find in multiple places because I didn't want to cross that line. I had every reason to believe I could say a lot of things without looking and be safe. But I wanted to be sure because I knew I knew for sure how dangerous it was. So that's why I went and looked it up. And I've done that many times, even for this show. There's things I've talked about on this show where I've went and looked things up to see what's out there, what I probably shouldn't say. You know, I've discussed how I've mentioned things like assessments and what assessment programs are without giving them names. Or like when I talked about SEER and kind of what SEER's like, then I don't talk about the resistance training lab. All for good reason, because they're either classified or you sign non-disclosures. Some things are just an honor system you're not supposed to talk about. But the thing is, is like, if I talk to you about SEER training and every bit of it, what it was like, it'd be really interesting and really cool and people would like it. Might even help some people prepare for it. A couple things about it, though. One, classified or not, you're releasing information potentially available to opposition forces about the types of training we go through that could cause them to change TTPs, tactics, techniques, and procedures about what they do if they capture somebody that could affect our service members. That's reality. That's how I look at it. Another thing is, let's say I tell that story and it helps somebody out who's about to go to that training. Well, that doesn't actually help them. They might think it does, but they would be less prepared than what they probably should be going in cold, knowing nothing to get through that training to understand more about what can happen to you in those situations. Similar thing, like I knew this guy when I was first in the army, went to ranger school. Now I thought this was funny. This is a funny story and it's, I don't think it's as important as say SEER, but I think it's worth pointing out. Ranger school has three phases, used to have four, unless they've changed it. And one of the things that happens in Darby in the first phase in Benning, after you go through the PT test, you go through all this training, you're getting smoked all the time. There's even like a full couple of days where you're just getting smoked, constant physical exercises. And a lot of it has to do with the stress and realities of combat and why they put it on you, physical, emotional, and mental stress. It's part of the training and deserves to be there. Now, they do things and say things sometimes, at least in this time period. Okay, so this is a while ago. But at least in this time period, a lot of the RIs, ranger instructors, would say things similar to what drill sergeants would say at the same time. Like, I'll smoke you all day. You know, we'll do this. You guys will be here all day. It'll be your fault. It's psychologically based. Well, this guy knew somebody was a ranger instructor, dropped a piece of knowledge on him. So he's out there getting smoked. He would just laugh at him. And like, you think this is funny? He's like, no, it sucks. I just think it's funny when you say this. He's like, why? He's like, because unlike most training in the military, getting smokes on the training schedule, you have way too much stuff to teach us. You can't smoke us all day. I know this is on the training schedule. The thing is, at that time, at least part of that was. So why that helped him, arguably helped him. I don't know that it did. I think he would have made it anyway. I think he'd have been fine. There's always the question of how would it have impacted him if he didn't know that? Would he have quit? I don't think this guy would have quit. But if you take that same situation, what somebody knows, that same piece of information and translate it to something more sensitive, it not only can be bad just to have that out there publicly, but it doesn't help that individual. So that's anyway, one of the reasons why I'm careful personally about some of the stuff I say or do. Another thing too, is like when it comes down to tactical tech training, when I used to train guys on flat ranges and some basic tactics, I would train them Similar to the guys I worked with that were Green Berets and how they trained foreign forces. You would 
take people in a country that probably had little to no education compared to us, had no real training or understanding, and you'd run them through basic weapon safety, how to use that firearm, you'd get them on ranges. And then a lot of times you're running them through basic, what we call basic infantry tactics that are, one, publicly available. But two, to get way past what people would call basic to what people call more advanced, takes a lot of training, takes a lot of time. That's not always available. So I would focus a lot on the basics. One of the things I've said is, you know, the best shooters in the world are the best guys in the world at this. The two things that really set them apart, well, there's really, I guess there's three, if I really look at one is their physical conditioning. You know, and that can be a big, big holdback in the civilian side. Two is the speed in which they can do things. They're just so much faster and so much more proficient. So those are two things that take a long time to get there. But the third one is a lot of it is mastery of basic skills. Their mastery of basic skills allows them to perform those faster to where they become second nature. They can learn more advanced skills. They're already in better shape anyway. They've been doing this probably for years. Some of the training programs they go through are day, 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 day after day for weeks or months and they get faster at it. You know, you can't just go take a group of guys for a weekend or a week and turn them into that. It's not reality. So I would get asked a lot when I would teach tactics and stuff like, hey, are you crossing the line here? I'd be like, no, we're not even scratching the surface. And I would tell them that all the time because it was true. And I was very careful about some areas about what I wouldn't wouldn't do. But when I would run guys through training, I would, you know, like an example is for those that are aware of what this is, there's a type of trading falls, um, cities, military terms called urban warfare has to do with basic tactics that you would use in a built up urban setting. One of the very simple things you learn in the beginning is about how to go through a door with a team of people in order to clear out a room. And there was a time when some guys wanted to learn that mainly just for fun. So I ran them through it. Now, a lot of people out there know, a lot of people think they know, but a lot of people know that there's ways in which you hold a rifle when you do that. And there's one way that's arguably probably the best way to do it. But that's not the way I would teach them. Not because it was sensitive. I would teach them an older way that caused them to use more movement, more exercise, more stress in order to develop muscle memory and other skills before I'd move them on to that. And that's just something I did because taking a, not advanced, but a newer step and throwing them in didn't help them at all. They didn't build up that strength and endurance they needed, and especially with their shoulders and upper arms. So I would use this older method. Now, interestingly enough, going back to like books, you know, and they got to submit them. There's a book called Relentless Strike. It's about Joint Special Operations Command. Now, when I read that book, there's some things in there where I was shocked. Like, I was like, how was this allowed? And that book was put through the DOD. They allowed that stuff to happen. So there's things that get allowed that I'm not sure why. I don't know if it was a stake was made, if something significantly changed, if they don't care anymore. I don't know what the reasoning was. But there's things in there I was like, I don't know if this should be in here. I was really questioning it. And I've seen that in other books. Of course, I've seen books too where to me it was boring. Like there's so much more they could have said. And I think that's the real difference. I guess it depends on who writes it. It's like everything I talk about on this show, a good portion of it's publicly available. Like there's a ton of stuff out there on body language. Now, there's a lot to be said about somebody with experience that's used it that can break it down for you and separate which guys probably don't know what they're talking about, which guys don't know what they're talking about, which guys do, how to bring it all together and make it work for you. That's helpful when you have somebody that has that ability. But there's other things to talk about. When I talk about surveillance and some stuff that would at one time be called tradecraft and 
dead drops and all that. You can find information on that. I just take and explain ways to do it. A lot of old methods, things people don't use anymore. I don't go into the realm of what is really taught because one, it wouldn't matter. Two, it would be entertaining only. Three, a lot of people out there aren't even putting this into practice. A four, and this is the real big one, is anybody who's practicing any of those skills are doing better than most of the population anyway. So you don't need that other information. It's just a decision I make. Some of it definitely, definitely can't say anything about. Some of it's just a conscious choice because I think it's a good idea. It's like if you go to YouTube, and I always use firearms as an example, but if you go to YouTube and look for just military guys that teach how to use a pistol, how to use it safely, how to hold it, how to shoot it, how to draw from the holster, how to run and move with it, a few basic things we see all the time, and you find military guys that teach it. And you find a bunch of them. You don't just find guys with large followings and you don't just find guys that regardless of their followings have, you know, 4K video. You find guys that have questionable audio and video but are teaching good material. A couple things you'll notice is that for a large portion of what they're teaching, a lot of it's very much the same or similar. What you determine from that is that some guys at some times just communicate it better. They're just better teachers. They're all teaching the same thing, but they're just better instructors. And a lot of times I've found guys that are much better instructors that have low quality videos versus guys that have these high quality videos with you following that aren't teaching a lot or overcharging. Part of what when I talk to you about, you know, determining the pricing and stuff on people. And it helps, you know, when you ask, hey, can you find this out? Like eventually I mentioned a recent podcast, that guy's question about the training he's getting. Eventually when he hears that, he'll probably send me the information so I can look into him. But that's why it comes down to it's about a better instructor rather than what it is you're being taught. A lot of things sound cool, but it doesn't mean they are. But the thing is, going back to that, you know, pistol training, a lot of that stuff is just stuff they've picked up. It's basic information training almost anybody knows and teaches as a pro. A large portion of it, a lot of people can teach just based on their own experience. They don't have to be a pro. And a lot of the examples they give are situations or how they explain the circumstance, which you may or may not do this. You may hold it this way. Why you draw it this way. Why you check it this way. Based on their experience and training, some guys can't bring to the table. Here's the thing. All of that stuff I've seen, anybody that watches it or goes through those training, going to learn a lot of stuff. There's nothing about that that's sensitive information. It's just better ways to use a firearm. So a lot of times guys are like, oh, well, I'm going to go to this class because it's taught by, say, a Navy SEAL. Well, there's a lot of Navy SEALs out there that teach great classes. But it's not about who's teaching it. It's about what's being taught and how it's being taught. And there's a lot of that stuff out there where I say that I compare it to college. Like in this country, for those who aren't in America, because I'm not sure how it works everywhere else. When you leave high school, which I think is called secondary in some countries, you have the opportunity to go to college or what some places call university. Well, some of the classes you have to take are basic classes. It might be history, government, math, English, whatever. Assuming you can't test out of those. If you go to Harvard, you got to pay a lot of money per class. Whereas if you go to a local community college and take the same class as transferable, you can save a lot of money. But you get taught the same information. I compare that to say this. Just because somebody has a resume like what we'd compare an Ivy League school doesn't mean the class is different. It might just be the same as anybody else. They just tend to be better instructors. Not always, but usually. 
So when you go to learn basic stuff on how to use a pistol or basic stuff like I teach about detecting deception and body language, it doesn't mean it's the same as the training I went through or other training I never went through. It doesn't mean it's worse than somebody who went through those training. It doesn't mean it's better either. I guess the point I'm making is it's a good question, and I think the instructors and people out there to talk about this stuff, write books, have YouTube channels, even guys that work as advisors in Hollywood, it doesn't matter who they are. It's really on them. It's not on you. So I would be careful about what they say and how they say it, which I've discussed before, but using it in this realm, like, I shouldn't teach you this, but it's classified. Like, I wouldn't even be around somebody who was that foolish because most likely they're full of it and don't know what they're talking about. And the second thing is they might be doing something they're not supposed to be doing. But I would focus more on the information rather than what it is and who it's coming from. It's, is it good information? Is it being taught well? Am I learning things? For people out there that are concerned about doing something like this or want to get into it because they see other guys doing it, whether it's podcasts or YouTube, I say go for it. Just, you know, make that list for yourself of where you're not going to go too far. You know, don't talk about anything that's classified. You know, double check it if you look at online and say, well, I knew it was classified. It's online now. Well, how available is it? How easy is it to find? How sensitive is it really? You got to make that decision yourself. When it comes to things involving any type of military intelligence operation, you know, tactics, techniques, procedures, I, I try not to cross that line. Basic stuff that's publicly available, a lot of people learn. I don't get too concerned about. I worry about more significant pieces of information as I look at them. And that's not to say anybody else is wrong because there's plenty of guys who won't do any of that. They think it's all wrong. It's like contractors, military contractors, guys that were shooters that go contract, whether they're trading allies, running operations, doing security. There's plenty of guys that do that, make a lot of money. I have no issue with that. There's guys, though, that think that's wrong and don't think we should teach that valid argument. I mean, there's been times where we've went and trained allies in tactics or train them to take over their countries and we paid for it later. Like Battle of Mogadishu in Somalia. It was two, three years prior to that. Special forces went down there before that government collapsed. And some of the training they did had to do with what would happen if they were invaded or, you know, another force came in, whatever it was, and what they should do to protect themselves and how to react to it. Well, when we went there, Battle of Mogadishu happens. A lot of things that happened there, we taught them how to do. You know, it doesn't mean every single guy involved was a guy we trained, but some of them took it away. Like I talked about a guy once that was trained what they called the 1st Iraqi Army Battalion, even though there was a Kurdish Army Battalion, because over there it's kind of two different countries. And this guy that was what we would call the honor grad for what we were teaching them after that class, one of the platoons that was with me when they took over an area and we moved to another area and they finally went in and captured this Bob the Terrorist guy we were looking for, guess who he was? He was that guy that was the number one dude in that first training program of Iraqis we went through to create the first Iraqi army battalion. Those things happen. You can't foresee all of them. The question is who's making the decision and how balanced is that decision? So when it comes down to individual people, especially after they leave the military, because I think if they're still in military or still in government service, they shouldn't be doing any of this on the side. It comes up to their individual assessment of what they want to do it. Don't break any laws, et cetera, et cetera. Realize the benefits of people, what they can get out of it. You know, like I could take people and teach them how to clear rooms. 
the way some special operations guy do it. But the thing is, if I did that, it actually wouldn't help them. Because when I go and train guys, especially when it comes around firearms, there's a lot of things that have to be covered or recovered initially, like weapon safety, weapons handling, dealing with malfunctions, how to hold it, how to shoot it, understanding the different types of loads of ammo, better quality magazines, how to use your gear, how to reload, all these types of things that if they're not covered or trained, when you go and put them in what sounds like a really cool skill, they run into all these issues because they haven't gone over these basic features. So even if I wanted to train people on some what would be considered high-speed stuff, just for me to feel safe and comfortable, let alone for them to have any chance of being proficient at it, there could be months of training that would have to happen beforehand. So that's one of the ways I look at it. So I always focus on the basic stuff. Like there's a lot more of body language detecting deception, but I always go back to the basics. I try to use simple examples. Like I don't use examples of body language in interrogation. I take that same thing I seen and I either compare it to an idea of being in a grocery store at a restaurant or something I've seen in a grocery store and a restaurant because that communicates, I think, more to the average person that's going to hear the show because those are the experiences they have in life. Those are the things they can, they can relate to. So my thing is, like, if you're going to get training, just enjoy it. Know where your money's going. Do the research on it. Have a good time. Be safe. No matter what you're learning, be learning how to sew a better blanket. doesn't matter. You know, think about the training you're getting from two or more places, what the differences are, who the instructors are. Do as much research and watching as much training as you can for free, like if it's on YouTube, because... There's a lot to be said about the resume of somebody that's training somebody how to do something. But the resume isn't to be all end all. I know plenty of people with great resumes that are shitty instructors because they never spent time training people. And I know people that were just regular like infantry in the army that are great instructors and all that stuff I've trained people on because they spent a lot of time training and teaching people. You know, they don't have these cool resumes that like some 20 year special operations guy will have. But there's a lot of things they teach better than some of those guys because they're a more experienced instructor. Now, of course, I always lean towards a special operations guy, of course. But I'm just saying, figure out who's doing it. Look at as much stuff as you can see. Figure out what the experience they have. Make sure you're learning stuff. Be aware of the pricing. You know what you can do with it. It's like this training thing I talked about. I might end up doing them. One of the guys, the guy I was talking to, he knows a guy who's famous. Uh, in current times right now, he's very well known from the special operations community. And he's like, yeah, I know that dude. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, have you thought about getting him down here to train you? He's like, well, I don't think we can afford it. And I said, well, true. What I would suggest is see if you could get him down for one day, if he would do one day or two days on this specific piece of what you want, that he's going to know way better than me and find out what that would cost. And then that would free me up to go a little more in depth into all these other things that I know a lot more about and have more experience in. I would definitely, you know, track that down. So I was recommending somebody else if he can get them based on that experience and knowledge he has in one specific area of what he's trying to do. I can do it just fine. I could do it for a lot of people, but for these pending contracts they're trying to get, it's like, it'll be better if you can find out what it would cost to get this guy for a day or two. Don't have them run you through all this stuff because it's going to cost you too much. I'll do that. And I think that would be better for you. And the reason I say that too is 
when it comes to all this stuff and people talk about, remember that no matter what they're doing, what they're on TV, YouTube, movies, writing books, a lot of it sells well because of who they are and their background and stuff. I always go into it as a certain portion of it's going to be entertainment, a certain portion of it. I wouldn't say it's fantasy based, but it's going to have information that's not entirely accurate, especially when it comes to locations, units, or people sometimes because of security reasons. And they're, they're smart about that or just protecting the information of their friends. I don't equate that to, I guess by definition, call it lying, but I don't look at it as a malicious way. I look at it as being smart about the information. The other thing is using that example where I was trying to pass off some training potentially to somebody else is no matter what it is, don't get caught up in the idea, especially if somebody says they're the be all end all. There's no such thing. One thing you will find, at least in the worlds I've worked in, is those people that are instructors will always tell you there's people that are better, there's people that are better than them, people they know that are better than them, at least in specific portions of it. People they know that have done more. You know, a lot of us don't think we did all that much. You know, I did a couple things that I'm pretty proud of, but while I contributed, I don't really think I did a whole lot. That's just me. Of course, there's guys I think did a whole lot that feel the same way as I do about my own stuff. So for all of you out there that ask this question and those that are looking at training experiences and listen to those other podcasts, this is kind of sum all that up. Whether it's talking about classified, what you can and can't talk about, should or shouldn't talk about, your training experiences, where you're going. Hopefully you can go back and listen to all that the next time you're looking to drop some money and you can use that as a guideline in order to do some more research and make sure you're going to places that are using your time wisely and you don't feel like you're wasting money. And also to make sure that you're prepared to go there. You know, while anybody could go to a lot of, say, these shooting courses with minimal experience, there are things you should probably know and have experience with. And that's just my opinion, but I think it's better for you and better for the people around you. You know, if you're a first-time gun over, you buy your first handgun, you never even shot it, then you go drop 500 bucks to go to a shooting course with some SOCOM guy, I think you're making a mistake. You're potentially causing them to have to pay more attention to you and give more remedial training to you, taking away from that other group. So you should have probably put 500 or 1,000 rounds minimum, at least shooting targets, maybe taking some basic classes or NRA classes or basic weapon safety classes and understanding, getting more familiar with it before you drop that 500 bucks or whatever it is to go to that training, just to ensure that you don't make people feel unsafe, even though that's not your intention, just to ensure you're not causing that instructor or assistant instructor to spend more time with you that the class isn't designed for. I think that's responsible. So that's just the way I look at it. So I hope this helps you out. If you've got any questions about training or any specific things somebody's ever said or done, you can let me know and I'll do my best to try to address it. If you like this episode, don't forget us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're at. And don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublications.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.